I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio. So stay with us all the way until noon today. And we have a lot to to get to, as always, on a Monday. And what we are always trying to do, of course, is to actually slow the news down. And sometimes on a Monday, you feel like you have to ramp up and catch up. Uh, if you weren't paying too close attention over the weekend. But I, I want to slow down on a couple of things as we begin today. Uh, first, uh, starting in Iran. Uh, we had uh, images over the weekend of protests against the Iranian government in Iran. And many people were saying, oh, what does this mean? Where does this take us? What happens next? And you need to remember, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about this uh, before Iran ever uh, retaliated uh, for the uh, taking out of the Iranian general by uh, the U.S. drone. And the, this is the, the issue that we talked about. We talked about the fact that the Ayatollah and other leaders in the government are, are every bit as worried about their own people, the Iranian citizens, taking them out as they are the United States military. And that's why we talked about and predicted that we would get a response from Iran that would uh, probably not be big because they they don't want a war with the United States, nor uh, do they want a war with their own people. (laughs) Uh, And so uh, watching these things play out, now we're in this interesting space where you are getting many of the citizens of Iran uh, willing to step up a little bit and at great personal risk, by the way. Uh, Part of the reason why I think the, the government in Iran is so worried is because the economic sanctions put on by the United States have been hurting the economy, there is great unrest there. Because the Iranian government has been cracking down on those who are against the government, uh, religious uh, individuals uh, of different faiths, uh, and because they've been cracking down on access to the Internet, all of those things are creating some natural tension inside of Iran. And so as we watch this continue to play out, Obviously, we, we want to make sure that uh, we're sending the right signals to the people of Iran as well. Uh, this is not about trying to topple the regime or regime change or, or getting into a protracted war. Uh, but there is an interesting question to be had, and that is what is our responsibility to the protesters? Uh, we've watched protests playing out uh, for many months now in Hong Kong. And what is our responsibility there? Uh, these people who are striving for freedom, who want to have freedom, who are facing opposition in their own governments, uh, that's one that we, we've really got to think through and we've got to look at what is our responsibility there, uh, how do we help those efforts uh, without becoming uh, the world's policeman or being in the middle of all of those things. And so we'll continue to watch and monitor uh, that here on KSL News Radio as we go through the week this week. Uh, also, 
Uh, as predicted, we are here. It's time for the impeachment articles to be transferred from the House to the Senate. Finally, uh, I think it was an exercise in futility uh, by uh, Nancy Pelosi. I, I think she miscalculated a few things uh, in that strategy. And here's the thing I want people watching for tomorrow. So there will be a, a meeting in the morning tomorrow with the Democratic caucus, and they will have their venting session. I'm sure there'll people be people who are upset and angry, people who want the articles held longer. Uh, there'll be a host of different things there. The, the question then will be, what will Nancy Pelosi do the moment that meeting ends? The moment the meeting ends, then what happens? Does she immediately go and walk, uh, choose the managers? Remember, she has to choose the managers first. Uh, and then uh, those managers will actually walk the documents over to the Senate side of the Capitol. They will present them. There's a little formality that takes place there. They will be dismissed. The uh, managers from the House will leave the Senate chamber, and then and then things will start to move from there. So a lot to watch tomorrow. But the thing I'm really interested in is will this be a reaction to the uh, AOC-led group, the, the 30 or so freshmen and very liberal Democrats in the House who have a lot of control right now, a lot of power, uh, will they try to flex and use that right now uh, with Nancy Pelosi? Or will they just kind of let things play out and get on to the Senate in terms of the uh, trial as it relates to impeachment? We're going to be joined shortly uh, at 1135. You don't want to miss this today. We've got Jesse Tarlov uh, is going to come in, and she actually wrote a piece for Real Clear Politics over the weekend uh, that said the Democrats are making a huge mistake. Uh, she advises uh, Democrats. She is a great strategist. She's a great thinker. Uh, I would say she's on the center left of the world, and she is telling the Democrats this is not about impeachment. What they should be focusing on is health care. Uh, and you want to find out why she's making that argument to her Democratic colleagues. Uh, we'll do that at 1135 today. Also, Scott Rasmussen is going to join us at 1120 today. We'll we'll talk a little more of the politics and the numbers of things uh, with Scott and some great insight. Uh, he's been doing a, a fascinating exercise. You talk about your New Year's resolution. Scott Rasmussen is reading one of the Federalist Papers every day uh, until he gets through all 85 of those. And he's doing some commentary for us. Uh, here at Deseret News, and will be with us here on KSL News Radio uh, to talk about what he's learning going back through the Federalist Papers in today's world uh, with today's lens on it. So uh, Scott's going to join us at 1120. Make sure you don't miss out on that uh, with us today as well. All right, I want to jump to the presidential politics right now. A few things changing. The the dynamics continue to shift. Big debate tomorrow in Iowa. The uh, We're only 21 days. 21 days from today, the Iowa caucuses will take place, and the season will officially be on as it is uh, for the race for the Democratic nominee. And uh, Cory Booker, senator from New Jersey, dropped out today. A campaign that was kind of mired in frustration, could never really get their sea legs straight. Uh, can never really move forward in a in a really significant way. And so Cory Booker uh, standing down, uh, a little sad for that. Cory's got some real upside and potential. Uh, but here's how he closed out his uh, presidential campaign. I can't wait to get back on the campaign trail and campaign as hard as I can for whoever is the eventual nominee and for candidates up and down the ballot. But for now, I want to say thank you. Campaigning over this last year has been one of the most meaningful experiences of my life. Meeting you, meeting people across this country who believe, who know that we may have challenges right now in our nation. But together, we will rise. 
All right. The guy can still bring it. <laughs> uh, he is, a uh, uh, again, a fascinating thing. I can't wait to ask Scott Rasmussen and uh, Jesse Tarlov about Cory Booker and why his campaign failed uh, to, to really catch fire. Uh, he's one of the most dynamic speakers. Uh, he had some wonderful moments in uh, on the debate stages, but could never seem to parlay anything uh, into any kind of significant momentum. Uh, and sadly, I, I think it was one of those where I don't think his campaign was uh, structured properly. I don't think he had the right leadership at the top. I think he had way too many consultants. And like many other candidates in this race, uh, I think he got consulted to death. And it it often happens. Uh, he had early money and he had early momentum, uh, much like Kamala Harris had some early money and some early momentum. Uh, and neither one of them could ever translate that into into real meaningful forward movement. And part of that is because you get this structure. So uh, the rule in campaigns of any kind is cash flow covers a multitude of sins. In other words, you can have money coming into your campaign and you better be careful because it can cover up many mistakes, just like a business. Cash flow covers a multitude of problems inside organizations. And you don't have the right conversations about the right issues and get the right strategies in place to to get some things done. So I think uh, Cory Booker was victim to that. I think he had too much money early, didn't have a strategy for boots on the ground and organizing, which is what Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, the early states are all about organization and boots on the ground, people knocking doors and telling the story one person at a time. And you just can't do that from 40,000 feet. And a lot of these uh, campaigns, especially those that are no longer in the race, had that problem. They uh, they got too big, too fast, too much of a national focus. Remember, this is going to be done a state at a time, a delegate at a time in order to win the nomination for, on the Democratic side. Uh, so we'll continue to watch that. Uh, I think it's uh, a little bit of a missed opportunity. I think Cory Booker has some uh, wonderful things going. And remember, he has a great connection here to Utah. He and uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee really let out in getting the most significant criminal justice reform passed uh, in a generation. And, and that was an important bipartisan piece of work uh, that uh, hopefully he and uh, the senator will continue on uh, in that battle because that's an important one for us. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, Scott Rasmussen is going to tell us what the world looks like by the numbers, what it means rolling into Tuesday's debate, and uh, some lessons from the 18th century. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.